Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. We've had a great conversation these last couple of weeks on Christian education. We cleared up misunderstandings about what that term means and discussed what it means to equip your children, to follow your ministry calling, and to equip yourself for life and ministry. And I hope you go back and listen to some of those on the podcast. Today, I'm moving forward into spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines. Appropriately, this time of year is the Lenten season. Not all denominations take part in this tradition. The Lenten season is described as lasting 40 days, and it commemorates Christ spending 40 days in the desert, according to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, before beginning his public ministry, and which he also endured his temptation by Satan. The last week of Lent is Holy Week, otherwise known as Passion Week, which starts on Palm Sunday and culminates in Resurrection Sunday that our culture calls Easter. There's times that this can be very helpful in taking on some form of fasting, prayer, meditation, remembrance of what Christ did for us on the cross. Keeping in mind this is not supposed to be a legalistic or ritualistic expression that is in any way the cause for our salvation. This is simply us showing our appreciation and our devotion to Christ and growing in our faith and growing closer to Him. Spiritual formation is many times tied to being more Christ-like in our character. Dallas Willard says, Spiritual formation in the tradition of Jesus Christ is the process of transformation of the inmost dimension of the human being, the heart, which is the same as the spirit or will. It is being formed, really transformed, in such a way that its natural expression comes to be the deeds of Christ done in the power of Christ. He references 2 Peter 1. Now, since you have become partakers of the divine nature, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Verses four through seven. Now, if I just gave you a list of qualities and we just tried to effort it out, we would always be discouraged and angry and dissatisfied. But when we appeal to our spiritual disciplines and seek God through these, He is able to mature us and empower us and bring us closer to Him because we're going with the natural rhythms that He created in our life. God created us to know Him, to want to know Him, to wants to commune with him, and therefore, it's natural for us to be able to take time out of our busy schedules and focus on spiritual things. And in so doing, we find patience, we find calm, and we find centeredness, and not in some weird introspective way that is about ourselves, but in pursuit of Christ, in pursuit of God. He realigns our priorities, our temperament, our maturity, to him, which empowers us to live the life that he created us to live. As we talk about the Lenten season, again, it's not so much a legalistic 
ritual as it is a time of empowerment, introspection, and appreciation for the gospel and the grace we've received. Also, in this time, we can point people to that same gospel and that same grace in hopes of changing their life in the same way. With Lent, it doesn't have to necessarily be exactly 40 days, by the way. It's more about the number 40 in biblical times has significance. There are four people who fasted 40 days in the scriptures. One was Elijah. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights as he ran from Jezebel, who threatened to kill him. Joshua in Exodus 24, 13 through 18 and 32, 15 through 17, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the last two are most notable, obviously Moses in the book of Deuteronomy fasted for 40 days and nights on Mount Sinai with God when he was given the two tablets of stone, which wrote the Ten Commandments, and a second time when he returned to the mountain to collect another tablet because he broke the first one when he saw the children of Israel worshiping the golden calf. And then, of course, Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, he fasted for 40 days and nights and was tempted by the devil. The 40 days have a biblical significance, and obviously, if you decide that you're trying to prepare yourself for something, or if you are seeking some level of intimacy with God, that you consult a fasting guide. There are many wonderful guides to this that you can find online and elsewhere to help you on this journey, because obviously consult your physicians and don't do these things rashly or for weight loss or other worldly reasons. But fasting can be an effective means of communing with God and preparing yourself possibly for a next chapter or something God is calling you to. Prayer obviously is the foundation of our relationship with God. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Also, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17 says, pray without ceasing. That means that as we go, we are to be constantly praying, constantly communicating with God and letting him work in our lives. That means God is a part of our life. This is not something we simply go to some special place on certain occasions, and that's when we talk to God. Praying without ceasing is that God is an integral part of our life, that he's influencing us, and he has ownership of our life. And so, therefore, we are to continue to pray, and in that standpoint, allow us to grow in our faith and grow in our spiritual disciplines and our spiritual formation. Because through prayer, through fasting, those are aspects that— help refine our character, increase our dependence upon God, and keep him the focal point of our life. Recently in church, I got a chance to talk to Scott McKinney and Mike Smith on their recent Trellis series that was talking about a framework for healthy spirituality. And in many cases, we were reviewing some neglected aspects of the faith, one of them being the Sabbath, in some states, there's still what are called blue laws, that things were closed on Sunday, and I think that's wonderful. There's a designed rhythm in Genesis 2, 1 and 2, that talks about how God created the Sabbath for us, that God did not need rest after creation. He did that as a model for us and the natural rhythms of which we were created for. And in so doing, he created a rhythm for us as we continue on our spiritual journey. Many of us are burning out because we're neglecting this rhythm that God has set in our life. They compare it to Exodus 20, 8 through 11. It talks about the endless production of 
life under Pharaoh. That looks like our culture in many cases, where we are just go, 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 seven days a week without yield. And we find ourselves burned out. We find ourselves angry and frustrated and ineffective. But when we're able to put that Sabbath day in, and we're able to realign our life to the natural rhythms that God created us for, we're able to balance those things and perform at a high level, but at the same time do so in a way that honors God and makes us more in tune to what he's doing in our life. Now, friend, that day may or may not be Sunday for you. For ministers, most of their days, they take a day that's not Sunday because they are working all day Sunday. If you ask any pastor or minister on staff, if Sunday is their Sabbath day, they are pretty much at the church from dawn to dusk, and even the preparations before that can be significant. The original Jewish Sabbath was sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. And so in some cases, there's some flexibility on when you take your Sabbath day. The important thing is, is to take it and to honor God in your observance of that day. The endless production of our culture combats our nature. And so, you know, many cases it's out of fear and out of greed. And fear, it means we don't trust God and greed means we're all about ourselves. And so when we're able to balance those things, we're able to trust God that he has our best interest at heart and that he will meet our needs. And we'll also understand that we sometimes need to temper our expectations and our natural greed because greed is basically a lack of satisfaction. Impulse that means that we need more and more and more and we're never satisfied. And sometimes the greatest gift that God can give us is satisfaction. It is a satisfaction that we will not find in anything on this planet, but we can find it in Christ. And so that's another thing that the Sabbath does for us. Christ said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. A yoke was an agricultural term. It was kind of something that you put on an oxen to help do agricultural work, and it, in many cases, was very heavy and very difficult. But what Christ says is that he has mercy upon us, and that when we are working in communion with him, that we can get through life without burnout and without misery. This allows us to focus on God, ourselves, and others, and we're able to make a difference in the lives and live a life, frankly, of victory in difficult circumstances. And then Scott reminded me of koinonia, which is a term that means fellowship, something that we all have in common, which is the gospel. Acts chapter 2 talks about the apostles devoting themselves to the teaching and the fellowship. They broke bread at their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added their number daily, those who were being saved. We were meant to be together, friends. There are no Lone Ranger Christians, as they like to say. We need each other. We were built for community, and we grow the best when we're in community. Last week when I was talking about Christian education, I talked about seminary for some. They meet some of their best lifelong friends in those circumstances, and they kind of go through ministry staying connected because those people hold them together and help support them in those endeavors. For others, it might be that you're a deacon at a church with other deacons or an elder or a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader. Those are the times when those relationships go deep and allow us to support each other. And so when you talk about spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation, 
It's something that very rarely happens on our own. And even as you listen to this, you can't podcast yourself into spiritual maturity, friend. This is strictly supplemental. You've got to find other believers, iron sharpens iron, people that you trust and that you can connect with so that you can grow together in your maturity and in your faith, and in so doing, help others point people towards the hope of Christ. In our culture where there's so much disagreement and so much anger, this is probably one of the hardest things to do. But friend, you cannot survive without it. We are broken people in a broken world. In many cases, we're just hiding our shame. We want to run from God. We want to run from people. We want to take out our anger on others. But the fact of the matter is, is that God created us for community with him and with others. And so whether that is through the prayer and the fasting of God, of of seeking him out or finding a community of believers that you can train and equip and support each other in this crazy world, that is what you need to seek out today. And in so finding of that fellowship, that local church, that small group, I encourage you to find that first and then encourage yourself in your prayer life and through fasting, spiritual disciplines. Do that with other people so that you can make sure you're doing it right and that you're not just off there by yourself. Friend, that's how I'm going to leave us today is you don't have to do this alone. You're not alone. And if you feel alone, find somebody, reach out to a church, reach out to someone who can help you, and also find that community of faith that can help us grow in our spiritual disciplines so that we're not just taking shots in the dark or trying to do self-help, but actually growing in a relationship in a healthy and systematic way that is in biblical fellowship and God-honoring. Thank you for being with me today, and I'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.